the, the meanest people on the internet all have anime characters as their emojis. So I'm just like, oh, anime character. All right, you know what? I'm I'm not gonna take the, uh, take this to heart too bad. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Out of Character with me, Ryan Satin. This week, we've got a man who I am a huge, huge fan of. I like watching him on Monday Night Raw, listening to him on Monday Night Raw every week, and I also like his podcast, so I'm really excited to have him on my show this week. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Out of Character, Corey Graves. Corey, thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. Oh, man, my pleasure, I, and congratulations. You are the one person that uh, can, exists on the internet who is a fan of me, so I, I really appreciate the uh, getting the FaceTime with the one. So, so this should be a good time. Oh, you know, I, I had that slotted for later to talk about that. But I mean, is it hard for you to navigate social media, having to deal with people seemingly throwing hate at your direction all the time? So what I've learned uh, through my tenure in WWE is that I'm just really bad at social media as a whole. It's just not something I should really do. Uh, I have a bit of a, of a hair trigger when it comes to firing back. Uh, I like I like to, you know engage verbally but then i've learned over the past several years that when it comes to twitter in particular you just never win um you you might have indisputable evidence or or no without a shadow of a doubt that you're right about something or something works a certain way but uh when the mob comes for you they're they're not leaving until they have their pound of flesh so i've done uh, a lot of work i've tried really hard to get a little better at it i still you know haven't quite accomplished that but uh it's it's definitely a i think of an issue unique to our industry and as a guy who talks and speaks on live television for three hours every week, and it's kind of my gig to be opinionated, I am just, uh, it's, it's fair game all the time. Well, I think you nailed it perfectly there with, you, you can't win on social media, no matter what. Even no. if you think that you had the wittiest response to some dick who said mean things to you, there's gonna be 50 to 100 people who are like, oh, you're punching down, or oh, that's so cringe exactly. that you would say that. <laughs> so no matter what, you cannot win on social media. But I feel like blocking the noise, though, is really hard. I had that same problem as you. Like when I'm searching, you know, I'm looking through my feed or whatever, and someone's coming at me. My whole life, if someone was coming at me, I would just go back at them, you know? <laughs> I'd make fun of them right, better. Right. And I, I, that was what I always did my entire life. So it's really hard to not say anything to those people. Yeah, a lot of chewing chewing my cheeks uh, instead of, you know, whatever the Twitter uh, version of that would be is I just have to just, oh, okay, I, I have this amazing tweet written up and then I just go, oh, you know what, forget it. So it definitely, it's, it's, it was a learning curve, but I think it's gotten a little better, but it's weird because I'm, I'm a news junkie, right? I, I enjoy all sorts of news, whether it be entertainment or world news. I just like to be informed and have an idea as to what's going on and there's no shortage, but Twitter is a great way to, you know, learn about what's happening in the world or what people are talking about. Even in the rare occasion, it's something good. If I want to make a reference on raw or something. Uh, so I do, I read a lot of it. So it is, it's a bit jarring from time to time when you get done, especially, and I know that, that the talent has it a lot worse. You can get out of the ring and think, man, I just had a banger of a match. I'm really proud of that one. And then you open your Twitter and it's like, oh God, you suck. You, that was the worst match. You blew that spot. You did all this. And it's just like, man, can't anybody just take a minute and go, oh, wow. So I've actually gotten, gotten used to waiting like an hour or so after a show, I'm just like, okay, I'm in a, I'm in a right headspace. I'm no longer excited. All the anger is likely died down. So, uh, yeah, I think everybody has to just kind of figure it out and learn because it's unfamiliar because people forget, I mean, much like the title of your podcast, this is out of character and who we are on WWE television. While there are elements of it, in, it that we draw from reality, 
uh, at the end of the day, man, when the, when the red light goes off, some people just want to be normal people. And it's kind of weird when you're like, hey, I'm just trying to see the score of the football game. And it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, Graves, you're the worst commentator of all time. And it's like, oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, I get it. Like in my replies all the time, too, where I'll say something that doesn't even have anything to do with wrestling. I'll just tweet about something random. And then it's like a really mean response about my work. And I'm like, I wasn't even yeah. I wasn't even talking about that. Like, where did that even come from, man? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's I think, though, that, a, you know, what a time to be alive. I think that when you get into entertainment, you hope that eventually that that goes away, like that voice of that voice that cares about that goes away. That you think like, oh, once I get to a certain level, I'm not gonna actually care what this egg-faced profile with no username actually says on the internet. But it doesn't. It doesn't. More specifically, it, the worst of the worst I've noticed have anime characters as their avatar. That's the one thing I've learned. The, the meanest people on the internet all have anime characters as their emojis. So I'm just like, oh, anime character. All right, you know what? I'm I'm not gonna take to, uh, take this to heart too badly. <laughs> For me, it's the role play accounts. It's always someone who's got like a, a wrestler in their profile. And they're pretending to be that person. They say the meanest things at me, and I'm like, you're not even that person. What are you saying this for? It's a little jarring when there are like accounts that are you and how bad you suck. They're like, oh, at Corey Graves sucks, says boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, wow, this is this is some real meta insanity right now. But I think particularly for me, the issue that I have is from an outside perspective, a lot of people think they can do my job, right? My job is to be the snarky, smart Alec bad guy who talks about wrestling, who acts like an expert and acts like I know better than everybody else. So a lot of people at home don't realize that, yes, just as much as anybody else on TV, I'm portraying a character. It's me with the volume cranked up. But people go, oh, I could be a sports commentator. I could do this. I could do that. Do you know why there's only one Joe Buck? Because he's the best because people can't do what Joe Buck does. You know what I mean? Across the board, there's a lot more that goes into our jobs sitting at ringside than just talking about wrestling and being wrestling fans. Well, you, you brought up two things that I want to talk to you about, so I'm going to single out one of them first, and that I'm is... I'm sorry, this is the podcaster and me coming out. I'm, I'm setting the table for you. I'm, that was <laughs> this perfect, because that this. was like, you tra I was like, great, he transitioned for me? I don't even have to do some weird, like, <laughs> speaking of that, uh, you know, but you talked about it right there, about how, you know, you're different than your character on TV, so I usually start off each episode asking this question, but we got a little sidetracked with the social media conversation. How much of your real true self is there in the character that you play on TV? I definitely think there's an element of it. I love, I love comedy. I love, uh, when I try to insult something, it's never with malice, even if it's on television. It's more just to get a laugh. I'm, I'm busting chops, you know what I mean? That's what I do, ask, you, you can ask anybody that I'm friends with, that's just my sense of humor. I, I like to, to joke around with people. Um, so there's definitely an element of it, and most of what I say on the air comes from my own brain. Um, and it's in the moment, you know what I mean? So you're getting a, a bit of a visceral reaction from time to time, or even if it's a joke, it's just like, that's what I'm thinking. And sometimes it comes out. And a lot of times I have to be careful to not let it come out because it can get us all in a whole bunch of trouble. Um, but yeah, there's, so there's definitely an element and I am, I'm a lifelong fan, you know what I mean? And I've, I've been in the ring and I do know all, uh, most of the talent, you know, on Raw, SmackDown, whatever it is, I came up with a lot of them. I've competed with a lot of them. So there's definitely an element of truth to what I do behind the, the character. But in reality, I'm kind of introverted. Uh, I don't like being in large crowds of people. I don't like being the center of attention. I, I'm not the show off. I'm not the one that shows up at the party and wants everybody talking to me and about me and putting on a grandiose 
performance. I'm just kind of like, I'm that guy in the corner holding my drink, waiting for somebody to make their way over and, and just have some small talk. Uh, so I guess that would probably be the most drastic difference. I feel like I'm like that too. Even though I sit here and I do this 45 minute interview show, if you see me at a party, I'm not gonna go up to strangers and try to pick their brain for 45 minutes and understand who they are. I'm the same way. I'm gonna probably stand in the corner and hope that I'm there with somebody. Yeah, my goal now is just to stay out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> when you say something, like there was that thing a few weeks ago that you said about Dana Brooke, because uh, you just mentioned, you know, you'll say things off the top of your head and sometimes you gotta stop yourself. Do, does the talent come up to you after and say like, hey, what the heck? Or do they know that like you're a heel and you're playing it up and they're not as offended by it? 99.9% .9 of the time, everybody realizes that it's just me doing what I do. And I try to, I love walking the line, right? I love being provocative, uh, but I also make sure, and I try to take great care that I don't ever harm anybody as far as from a, a character perspective. I always wanna make people better. For, for the, the instance of the Dana Brooke issue, I actually sent her a text message the next morning just saying, hey, just so you know, no hard feelings. That was not personal. I, full disclosure, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen in these shows. I am reacting and I, I, that's by choice. I've been, there have been times where I've sat in the, in the production meetings and I have an idea as to what's what. I prefer to not know what's happening because I like to think that my reactions are a little more genuine. I get to use my wit a little bit better than saying, hey, I got this great line for so-and-so. Uh, but William Regal actually used to instill in us back in the NXT days that commentators are a great tool for a superstar in that we can tell your story sometimes better than you can, or oftentimes if you, you know, something goes wrong, I have the, I'm almost the last line of defense where I can kind of clean things up sometimes or explain why something didn't go so, so perfectly. Um, but Regal used to tell us all the time that if you as a, as a talent don't utilize the commentators, then you're doing yourself a disservice because Regal used to tell the story about how if you tell me, hey, I want to convey this emotion, this is the storyline that I want to, to get across, or this is the story we're trying to tell in the ring, he would go out of his way to enhance that, to add color as a color commentator. Same, same goal that I, I have. Uh, but Regal would also be very open that if you don't utilize us and you don't talk to us or tell us what your character uh, is, is attempting to accomplish in this instance, a lot of times we're just kind of flying blind, so to speak, and, and we're going to try to do what we want to do with it. Or, or sometimes you just try to entertain yourself. If you go out there, you don't tell me anything and something goes wrong. And I, maybe I'm having a bad day. Maybe I just flew halfway across the earth and my brain's not as sharp as usual. Maybe <laughs> I'm just in a bad mood. You never actually know what you're going to get, but no, there's never any sort of malice or, and because I would be doing myself a disservice because my job ultimately is to enhance everything. I do it in a very unique way that is unique to my perspective as the quote unquote bad guy on the show. Um, but I, I'm basically trying to achieve sympathy for the devil from a viewer's perspective where here's maybe why this person did this underhanded thing or it, it, but it's so unique. And a lot of people think that in 2021, the days of the full blown heel commentator are passe. And I definitely think to an extent it is. I mean, could you imagine Bobby Heenan? He wouldn't exist in 2021. No. He would be fired, canceled, tarred and feathered <laughs> it publicly just because that's just the way the world's changed. So I try to be a little more villainous leaning than full-blown bad guy, justify, always root for the bad guys, only the bad guys, good guys are the wrong. I, I, I try to adapt, but again, I grew up on Bobby Heenan, on Jesse Ventura, 
uh, on some of the greatest of all time, the greatest of all time. So deep inside me, that's still what I'm a fan of. So when it comes time to do what I'm doing now and find myself in this role, a lot, I just kind of fall back on what I was a fan of. And maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Yeah, and I think that your the fact that you used to be a pro wrestler, I think helps you in storytelling and, and acting in the moment, because obviously those are two trades, the two skills that you need as a pro wrestler as well. And I think that, that really helps you um, build things up or help you know tell the story that needs to be told. And if you're not getting that told to you beforehand, even that's even that's even more of a difficult skill to have. Sure. Well, I mean, it's the beauty of live television. Nothing ever goes wrong, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so being being there, I, I've been in the ring, and I, it, to, to my earlier point, I've been in the ring with most of the people that you see on Raw and SmackDown. I mean, I've wrestled Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins and Big E and and everybody. Um, we all came up through NXT together. Sometimes even longer, back to the independence. And the irony of all of it is, it was so long ago that I was an in-ring competitor. And the turnover is so fast these days in anything entertainment that there are people that watch our shows that have no idea. And I would dare say the majority of our fans don't know that I was an NXT tag team champion or that I traveled the world for 10 years before I arrived in WWE and, and that I have all this background. But again, it's not about me on, on Raw or SmackDown anymore. You know what I mean? I'm not the focus. I'm supposed to tell the story. So it's, it's kind of a weird thing where... People, you know, back to Twitter again. People, oh, what do you know? You've never done anything. You're career. like, okay, I didn't, you know, <laughs> I didn't decide to be in the situation that I was in. I just kind of played the cards that were dealt to me. But, you know, I do have uh, some experience. And I actually take pride in that, particularly from an action standpoint, when something is a little off or something doesn't go according to plan or what you would expect. I kind of try to think like I would as a wrestler in that moment, like, okay how can i justify why that didn't work and more often than not that's I, I take great pride in being able to do that uh but but i wouldn't be able to do that to the level that i do had i not spent all these years you know beating myself up <laughs> well you know you were there like you said in the early nxt days um and it's funny because i you're right i think that there are people who didn't really watch the hulu era of nxt who don't really remember how all that was there you know it starts at full takeover. disclosure dude i I don't know that I have ever watched an actual episode of NXT where I wrestled. Really? To this day. It's all still available on the network, but it was it was predating the network. I mean, when when the network launched and there was an NXT yeah. arrival and all that sort of stuff. I was there, I was on the roster, but I was usually injured. Uh, so I didn't really get to have <laughs> too many too many of those moments. Uh, but as far as like actually getting to watch and I, I remember when we found out that Coheed and Cambria were gonna do the intro uh, for, for NXT, I remember Rollins and I watching the, they showed us the open at at the old fcw building and he and i looked at each other like oh my god we made it this is so cool we've got a band we actually like doing the the intro song for our show like this is the coolest thing but as far as me competing i don't know that i've ever actually watched it that's crazy even when it was on hulu you didn't like watch it afterwards i i hate watching anything that i do anything that i've done i hate going back watching i'm my own worst critic to this day I don't go back and listen to anything. I just you don't listen to now, any of the podcast episodes you do or any of the, like the culture shock show. You didn't do any, none of that culture shock. I watched because they were short okay. uh, and I have a short attention span and I, <laughs> those, those were just so different. It was something I'd never done before. Like I all of a sudden went from being Corey Graves, miserable brooding NXT superstar to like my attempt at being Anthony Bourdain, which <laughs> yeah. 
was I was just curious as to see how that worked out. Uh, and obviously that got canceled, so we know how my <laughs> skills are as far as that department goes. But but uh, yeah, man, I, I I don't I don't know why I'm one. I'm not this guy that takes. A lot of people love watching themselves back and like seeing that gl- the glamour shot of them holding the title or whatever. I, I don't get think they do. So self-conscious. No, I don't think they do. Everyone, I, I surprisingly, that's become a topic that has been recurring on this show. And I tend to ask, like, do you know, how much do you watch yourself back, or when do you watch yourself back? And everyone seems to have different, you know, uh, different ways of doing it. But everybody seems to wait a little bit of time first, just to make sure that like they don't get too mad while watching it. So I think that you're not alone in, I, I think that's I think that's more of the majority. That's interesting to hear that. I, I've always been one, you know, I, I kind of just operate based off of the feeling when it ended. At the end of the night, if at the end of Raw, I feel like, wow, we, we had a good show. I just roll with that. I just go, okay, you know what? That felt good. I'm gonna enjoy it and I'm not gonna, not, not gonna mess with it. Don't fix what's not broken. Conversely, when I get done with a show and I feel like it was awful and that I, my performance was off or I, you know, I messed something up, I, I beat myself up for usually a couple hours and then I just tr- try to like move on to the next thing. Try to have a short-term memory. Yeah, that's the really the way you got to do it. I, I'm trying to get better at that with this show because I unfortunately have to watch it back like 50 times afterwards and I'll find the <laughs> one thing. I'm like, oh, why did I do that? And I like think about it for a week and I'm like, don't do that next week, Ryan. And then I end up doing it again. And then I'm mad at myself and the, and the cycle continues. So, yeah, I do sometimes find though, occasionally I'll listen to an episode after the bell or listen to more, more than off, more often than not the interview portion of it, because that's something I had no idea how to do. I never wanted to be a journalist or a broadcaster. So I have sort of learned the art of conducting an interview and steering the ship on a podcast, particularly when it was just me, I, I was trying to figure all this stuff out. So I would listen back for more or less things to pick apart for myself from a technical perspective. Uh, but more often than not, I find like, man, that was the worst show ever. I never want to hear it again. And I listen, and I go, I guess it wasn't that bad. <laughs> and, and sometimes it'll make me feel, you know, feel a little bit better. Like, oh, I shouldn't quit yet. I've had that happen to me so many times with this show where for the, the, the whole like next few days until it airs, I'm just like, God, that was terrible. What were you doing? Why do you even have this job? You suck. You're terrible. And then I watch, I, I watch it. I'm in the live chat with people, and I'm like, oh, that was pretty good, actually. I don't know why I was so mad at myself. Yeah, yeah. I, it wasn't nearly what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> do you enjoy being a podcaster? I've grown to enjoy it. <laughs> I. It was, again, man, I, I. this is a really wild scenario that I'm in. Just my life, my career. I go from wrestler who gets injured and has no real certain future to I just said yes to everything. I was like, okay, you want me to try this? You want me to try that? Yeah, I'll give it a shot. I'll learn how to run music at live events. I mean, there was, there was a, a, about an eight month period where I would, you go to an NXT show, I was sitting behind a table in the back of the armory playing people's music and, and set, I just wanted to learn anything that I could and hopefully I would stick somewhere. And luckily for me, the commentary aspect of it stuck. And the podcasting thing, I almost arrogantly thought, I speak for three hours on live TV every week. This is going to be easy. Of course I can do this. And it was a, it was a growing process, man. And what, and what after the bell was at day one is not what it is now. And it's, you know, like anything in business, you've got different external factors at play and internal factors at play and, and things grow and adapt and evolve. Uh, so after the bell is completely different than when I started at day one. But however, as we were joking about earlier, unintentionally, I find myself doing broadcast things and, and transitioning and all these different phrases and, and that I've, I've learned about and I hear about now, but it's never anything I've consciously 
tried to learn. I just sort of, I guess I sort of absorbed it by osmosis. Yeah, I uh, I 100% underestimated how difficult a podcast like this would be because I think our shows are similar. It's like a you know 40 minute conversation with someone, right? And, and uh, yeah, I similarly because I was doing like 15 minute interviews for web stuff for digital, and I was like, well, let's just make it a podcast. I do 15 minutes, 45 can't be that hard, and it is very hard to carry a 45 minute conversation with someone that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's almost impossible when you're by yourself, and that was the hardest part when I first started doing it was just the the 15 minute in or the 15 minute on the back end when you're solo. Man, that that's a really really tough task. Uh, it sounds like oh, I, I could talk for 15 minutes about wrestling. Everyone on earth thinks they could do that, right? But to make it actually interesting and coherent and have any sort of flow to it, there's a, definitely an art to it. And I'm still learning, man. I, I still have a lot of work to do, uh, comparatively speaking to a lot of people. But it's, it's definitely harder than I expected, but I've grown to enjoy it. I don't know how you do the solo thing. I know you, Sam Roberts, and some other people that I see, they do the like... Oh, well, Sam has no friends, so that's why. <laughs> so he's been talking to himself for a long time, so he's just used to it. Uh, but I, 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 when I had a wrestling podcast where I would talk about topics that, that were on my mind, I had three of my friends there instead of just one because it was so much easier to play off of people and we'd be having a conversation. Yeah. Doing it just solo, I would feel like an absolute lunatic just talking to myself into the microphone. It's, it's very tricky. There, there used to be, uh, you know, I'd have an editor or a producer or someone when we do it out of Stanford at our TV studio, and there would be one guy in the studio with me in the back in the dark, and he was my only frame of reference. Like, if I made a joke, I don't know if it lands or not because I'm basically here in an echo chamber. So I would look, and whoever was sitting back there, I'd try to, like, crane my neck and, and get my eyes adjusted to the light, and if, if they cracked a smile, I'd be like, okay, that joke didn't suck. Uh, but it was it was an audience of one, so it, it was definitely a, a learning curve. I, dude, my producer, when he walks out, as soon as we're done with this, he's gonna walk out, and I'm gonna say what landed, what didn't. I, I'm, so I totally understand that. Now yeah. we have like a whole crew of people here, and I, I literally some of these guys don't even watch wrestling, and I go, well, did you at least find it entertaining, even though you don't watch wrestling? And they're like, yeah, yeah, totally. That that to me is the highest compliment. When any any time there were even some people on my team in in WWE who were podcast people, not wrestling people not not wwe people and that counted to me more than anything was when we would get done with the show and they would say you know what this was really interesting or when you got this person to talk about that that was fantastic that was compelling and that almost counted more than the fan who you should be catering to who are trying to cater to but every once in a while when someone comes along and goes oh hey you know you're you're actually really good at this or, or to get somebody uh one of the, the few good things I like about Twitter is being able to connect with people in sort of the same field. So I've, I've become friendly with some actual broadcasters from the MMA world or from, you know, outside of different sports. So when I get any sort of validation from them as, man, that was really impressive when you did this to this to this, who just maybe they don't know what I'm talking about from a wrestling perspective, but from a technical aspect or just to appreciate traffic, like a, like a broadcast traffic and going from a package and throwing to this and all the crazy things that go on during a, a three-hour broadcast, when you hear someone that's in that world compliment you, that to me means more than just about anything because it's like, okay, I got you and you're not already in my built-in fan base. So I, that's what I'm, I'm trying to expand. Yep. And also I think that, you know, you're such a big wrestling fan that you already know what the wrestling fan is going to like to a certain degree and so you're like you're already you've already got that fan perspective so to hear it from someone else you hope that well okay like wrestling fans i feel like are already going to like this or hopefully they're going to like this but 
is this something that I always bet against that I always bet I bet the opposite I bet anything that gets done the first reaction is going to be negative so I, I, I give it I give it like a let that period burn out and after a week if people are saying nice things then I'm like oh yeah sweet I was good at that <laughs> but I just think that uh you know when you when you have someone who doesn't watch wrestling that likes your rest that, that says a positive thing about your wrestling podcast you go like oh well maybe a wrestling fan can listen to this with their girlfriend or or their significant other or whatever uh and, and the other person will still uh gain something from it and that's really what i'm trying to do with this show sure. all the time just get, just just to capture someone's imagination or their interest i mean a lot of the other podcasts non-wrestling podcasts that i listen to i don't know who the guests are i may not know this person from adam but every once in a while, someone will come on and I'll go, wow, that was really fascinating. Like, I'm going to look more into this person or, or what they do. Or, or um, So there, I think there's a lot to be learned. But, yeah, that's the trick is just keeping the most people engaged for the longest time possible. Yeah, that's why I listen to, like, Mark Maron and Conan O'Brien's podcast and try and take little sure. things from them that I hear them do. And I'm like, oh, that was a good, that's a good little trick right there. I'm, I'm going to steal that one for the future. And so. Right, uh, right. And, and it's great to hear those podcasts, too, of, like, non-wrestlers where – really 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 famous people like a-list celebrities that are on conan's podcast talking about how they still feel the exact same way that that you and i were talking about where they look at things on twitter and it it affects them or they're their harshest critic and it's interesting to hear that even people at the top still feel that way i can only imagine i mean i know how we deal with it and how, just to put it in a personal perspective i am a commentator on a show for monday night raw and i know that uh, people you know the vitriol i get so to and i'm not the feature i'm never the feature it's not about me i'm there trying to enhance things i'm the set dressing and and then people are so upset by that and then so, so to be a a top guy or a featured performer uh in, in our business i know how tough that is but on a bigger scale i mean imagine just the, the disdain if you have a movie that comes out and bombs and all of a sudden people come at you like oh this was all your fault it's like well, I don't. That, I didn't intend on sucking at what I tried to do. That was never my goal. I wasn't trying to offend or upset. I was just trying to do the job that was, you know, provided to me. And you win some, you lose some. But I, I, I figured the bigger, the, the brighter the the star, you know, the higher the profile, the more uh, the more hate you're gonna get. Yeah, Jack Black was on there. I, well, I listened to Jack Black on there, and he was like, you know, Pick a Destiny came out. Everyone said it sucked. I was I thought it was great, but you know at least now it's found a cult status and people like it now and it's a thing now and so I can at least take comfort in that and I was like man it's crazy to hear someone so famous talking about a movie that I love so much and then being like oh this movie sucked apparently and I'm like no that movie was great. I'm looking forward to to the time when I have faded into obscurity my post WWE career when all of a sudden like the next generation goes oh that guy was actually pretty good what whatever happened to him. You know, so I'm, I'm waiting for that nostalgia tour so I can hit the conventions on the, on the way out. I feel like that happens with John Cena now to where John Cena, everyone's like, God, I miss John Cena so much. And I just remember before he left, everyone being like, oh, he's uh, John Cena. Blah, get him out of here. Right. You don't know what you got till it's gone. So congratulations on your engagement. I'm, I'm, that was a recent thing that just happened. How did you pop the question? You guys didn't give a lot of info on, on social media. Well, that was kind of by design. I also, uh, full disclosure, uh, if Murphy's Law ever applied to anything in my life, it was the entire proposal process. Uh, every step of the way, there was some sort of hiccup. And we would actually need to do a full-blown other podcast about basically the last <laughs> month of my life. Uh, I'm not much of a planner. Uh, and yet, within the last two months, we've bought a house and gotten engaged. And a lot of it's been me just going, ah, this seems like a good idea. Let's do this now. 
so so here we are, two major life-altering events. Uh, luckily, the end result was what I wanted. I am engaged to the most beautiful woman in all of WWE. Uh, she's been amazing. In typical Graves fashion, no plans going properly. I had intended on doing it on Saturday night, which was her birthday. Uh, her mom and sister have been on the ground in Botan. So full disclosure, we, uh, we get off the flight from Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, after Crown Jewel. Rather than flying home to Pittsburgh, I fly to Boston to meet her because we had another event uh, Saturday. And I was like, well, I'm at home for a day. I might as well spend it with her. And uh, so I was planning on doing it Saturday night. Mom and sister uh, got the date wrong. Oh, no. So as, as I was taking off from Chicago to Boston with the intention of landing, taking a long nap, perhaps getting a good night's sleep, and then you know performing a life-altering event the next day, as I was taking off from Chicago, I got a text from her sister going, hey, guess what? You're all set. Everything's ready to go tonight. And I went, tonight. <laughs> tonight. Uh, okay, guess we're doing it tonight. Because, you know, hey, it's just like live television. Nothing can go wrong, right? Just, <laughs> let's just give it a shot. So, yeah, luckily I, I, uh, I got the answer and the result that I had desired. So yes, here we are. And the next follow-up question, which has happened every time somebody's told us, no, we don't have a date yet because, well, I'm not even entirely sure what planet I'm on right now because I've been in every time zone on earth in the last week, so. No, I, dude, I'm also not a planner and I'm, I can say this because my girlfriend already knows about this, but I'm soon going to be planning to pop the question as well at some point in the near future so it, i can understand how nerve-wracking that situation can be especially when, when like you said you've been flying from saudi arabia and back and it, <laughs> it gets pushed up a day oh that sounds very very stressful well the good news is i knew what i was doing and i, I didn't have any second thoughts or get cold feet it was just oh i thought i was gonna do it tomorrow uh well it's happening tonight let's do it tonight all right let's make the best of it and it was awesome i wouldn't now in hindsight the full story, uh, I think, is probably one of the best engagement stories I've ever heard uh, with all of the hiccups and snafus and shipping errors and, and tra uh, just the travel. It was, it was absolutely wild, um, but it is, it's, I, I got what I wanted out of it. So Sounds like it was elaborate if there were shipping, if there were shipping errors and all those things involved. Every again, every step of the way, something went wrong, and I, I just... It kept and people go those are red flags right didn't you should have thought about that everything went wrong and i was like no i think i'm getting all the bad stuff out of the way up front so hopefully from here on out it's it's onward and upward and all positive but uh yeah we i, I rented a little sailboat in the boston harbor which is her uh her neck of the woods originally not staten island gonna get in trouble for that one no we learned but, that on the uh, show already when she was here she said that and it was everyone okay. was, their mind was blown when she said that yeah, yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, we did it in Boston Harbor, facing the city on a little sailboat. It was uh, it was pretty romantic. I know I, I have a few tricks up my sleeve from time to time. When you screw up as much as I do, you get good at romance. <laughs> was she mad that you had the mustache when you did it, though? She is the reason I think I have the mustache. Wow, it unexpected. Was, it was simply... It was an act of boredom. Uh, we have barbers at television. Uh, shout out to the maestros guys that keep us all well-kempt for television, TV ready. And I've had, you know, the five o'clock shadow sort of beard for the longest time. And I just, I got bored. I get bored with myself, like everybody else. And I was like, let's do something different. And I think half jokingly, they said, oh, let's give this mustache look a, a, a try, thinking that, okay, it's gonna be a disaster, so we'll just shave it off. 
and I FaceTimed her. She liked it, and I was like, okay, to hell with it. I'm just going to give it a shot. And next thing I know, I, I'm getting feedback and text messages and people going, oh, that actually looks kind of, big, kind of good, until I FaceTimed my daughters, who almost hung up on me immediately. <laughs> They're like, Dad, what is that? That's disgusting. So that's, I still have to win them over. But uh, I think the mustache is going to stay for a little bit, at least until you know somebody that watches me on TV and has influence over my career tells me, get rid of that thing. <laughs> Voice sounds familiar. Uh, I, <laughs> I, uh, I totally understand the mustache thing. As much as people hate on mustaches in the year 2021, I like mustaches. Like I, when I try, I never tri- shave the beard off anymore because every time I do, my girlfriend gets all bummed about it and she's like, oh, I don't like it. But when I used to shave the beard off every once in a while, I liked having the mustache, even though I'd get sh- crap for it from people. I-, I like having the mustache. It makes me feel like Doc Holliday. I like to, you know, <laughs> yes. he's my favorite movie character of all time. So if I can be a little bit more like Val Kilmer, at least in my own mind, I'm sure it doesn't translate to anybody else. But I kind of got that Doc Holliday stash happening and I'll take that little W. I'm your Huckleberry. Yeah, it's a good, it's a, it's a good movie. I love, I love that movie. It's such a good movie. I'm gonna go. I haven't watched that one in so long. He's so good in that movie. Unbelievable. Is it, is it, uh, is it a lot of pressure though to pick groomsmen and like your best man and all that kind of stuff? I know you don't have a date yet, but I feel like that's a lot of internal pressure. So uh, I think we both had a discussion at the airport as we were flying from Boston, freshly engaged, to Houston for Monday Night Raw. Uh, our, our little window of respite uh we we had a little discussion and i think we're just kind of kind of prioritizing doing what works for us um you you do we all do so much in life and in work that is for everybody else and all the people that are around which is great and your heart's usually in the right place but something like this let's just make it about us so we we've had some discussions we're talking i mean we've talked about big giant weddings we've talked about tiny weddings i suggested going to las vegas to the little chapel and she wasn't really too into that (laughs) but uh you know, I was trying to save a couple bucks, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, I think, no yeah, way just... Carmela's getting married in one of those no, little no, white no, no, wedding no. chapels. No, no, absolutely not. But uh, I'm sure whatever it is, like I said, the ultimate, the ultimate goal is just to have an event, something that is very special to us and for us that we can enjoy, uh, rather than concerning making sure everybody else is happy and making sure that so and so was impressed with the food and that aunt whatever you know like the dress just like we're just going to kind of do our thing so you tweeted this re- semi recently and i thought it was an interesting uh thing to talk about a little bit you said uh, a few weeks ago, a few months ago i think now you said ever wonder if the path you're on isn't the path you're meant to be on change can be scary but it's often necessary what spawned that like what, what were you thinking when that came out because i thought that it was a pretty deep thing to think about. i think a lot of people think that it is. Uh, I wasn't trying to be deep or profound. It was something based off of kind of how I was feeling in the moment. Uh, sorry to disappoint all the wrestling fans. It wasn't a cryptic tweet about my future, which everybody likes to drop from time to time. Uh, contrary to popular belief, not everything I tweet is about wrestling. Uh, <laughs> I've been doing a lot of, or at least trying to sort of uh, expand and learn about mindfulness and just being more grateful and meditation and I, I mean it's pretty well documented the last few years of my life have been pretty tumultuous there's been a lot of turmoil uh i mean our jobs are stressful we're on the road all the time the only the only constant in life is change um and, and i kind of related it to myself that if the path you're on is not where you were meant to be if you'd asked me seven years ago i was on path to be the intercontinental champion or be a, a big time wwe superstar Maybe the path I'm meant to be on is the path that I'm on now. 
um, maybe this isn't the path. Maybe something else is going to pop up in or fall into my lap and there would be another opportunity. That, that's not my goal. That's not what I'm looking for, but I'm trying to train myself. And I use the word train very specifically because this is not something you can just wake up, roll out of bed and go, oh yeah, I'm cool now. I'm, I'm really just mentally healthy and, and stable and everybody's got stuff to deal with. So I've been reading a lot of uh, stoicism books and a, a lot of the ancient thinkers and, and kind of trying to train myself to take back the power of my mind and my well-being and again to to exude more gratitude and have a little more patience just to try to be a, a better person overall is it going to happen overnight absolutely not am i flawed you're damn right i'm ex there's still plenty of things that i need to work on but i feel as though and, and doing no sm small part to carmela she's really helped me uh since we've we've been together to sort of step outside of the bubble and not concern myself every waking moment with the next step in my career or did this go right or is this going to be all right i'm i'm a stressor by nature i'm always stressing about okay is this going to be okay so i've tried really really hard um like again through reading and meditation and just putting my phone down from time to time just to kind of disconnect and exist because once you can learn to be still with your own thoughts the world loses a lot of power over you you can sit and do what you want to do and focus on what makes you happy and what uh, you are grateful for and what enhances your life or those, the, the lives of those around you and try to try to put your energy toward those and give off a little bit more positive energy than just constantly being uh, the little ray of pitch black that I've been known to be. I totally understand that. I feel like I'm at that crossroad right now. I feel like I've been, I wrote down here, like, I think I'm going to try and take a week break from social media next month because I just, I, I feel the exact same way. Sometimes I feel like that I've let the power of other things start to can like take over my mind and that I'm, I can never be alone in my own thoughts ever. And so I think that it's, it's tough, man, especially when you're in the public eye and as particularly yourself, who so much of your work is based digitally and on social media and the, and the internet uh, wrestling community and the fan, those are the fans that consume the podcast. And, and I'm sure a lot of them are listening to this, uh, right now so so you need to be connected to an extent but also it's daunting but when you finally train yourself to step back and go oh okay if I don't look at my social media today I'm not going to lose my job oh oh this thing happened and I wasn't there to comment on it guess what it still happened it doesn't matter you can step back and just sit and be still with your own thought and your own mind or, or just your people like to to I go and hang out with my kids for a while and not look at my phone and think about, oh, well, what if something happens that I have to talk about on ATB or what if this happened and there's this internet rumor and, and the, the, the news sites are filling up about this? Guess what, man? I still wake up in the morning the same way as everybody else. And I can take a deep breath. I can go outside and breathe in some fresh air and, and hang out with my girl or my kids or my friends or nobody at all and just realize the world's not crumbling. Just look up at the sky, man. If it's not falling, you're not in any trouble. So it, it took a lot of time for me to get there. And I think a lot of it's just maturity. I mean, as a human being, I, you know, I, I'm a grown, grown man now. Um, but and again, it, there's still a lot more work to be done, but I think it's the effort is, is almost as, as satisfying as the end result, because you realize like you're feeling like you're growing as a person. And I think that's important for everybody in our business or not just, I think as human beings, it's so easy to lose sight of that, that uh, we just kind of all need to check in with ourselves once in a while. Yeah, working in the digital space, you hit the nail on the head there. Working in the digital space is why I feel the same pressure all the time. Well, I have to know what's going on here. I have to know what's going on here. And I need this and I need that. And I, I, the, and I also feel like 
social media helped advance my career you know so it's like no well, doubt and, and and i i know we always talk about it and i don't by any means have this this disdain for social media ultimately i think it does more good than harm it's just being able to learn to navigate things you can connect with people you can talk to people people tell you stories or send you cool photos that you've never seen before there's a lot to learn but it's just kind of learning to tune out the the let the other stuff be white noise rather than the focus of what you're you're looking at well, if you weren't an announcer for WWE and you weren't a pro wrestler, what do you think you'd be doing? Man, that's a scary thought because I don't honestly think I've ever put much effort toward anything like I have making it to WWE. I was one of these guys. I mean, I, I was a pretty, pretty solid student in school. I got good grades. I probably should have gone to college, uh, but I needed something that would allow my wrestling habit to be fed. So I worked in a tattoo shop. I, I did this. I was a 911 dispatcher when I got signed by WWE because I was, you know, making sure I could pay my bills and simultaneously chase this dream. But the goal had always been be a WWE superstar. So again, I, I'm, still, uh, I'm still in the game, so to speak. I'm in a different position, but I'm still in the game. So had I not ended up here, man, I can, I can only imagine. I've, I've done some really wild stuff in my life. So I, I, don't, know, I don't know which path I would be on. Well, the 911 dispatcher thing, I, I didn't know that. Super interesting to me. Did What's the craziest call that you ever had to deal with? Oh, man, that one, that's an easy one. There was a, 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 an old woman that would call from time to time because much like anything else, we, we used to refer to them as frequent flyers because you had people that <laughs> we were pretty sure called the, the ambulance or the police because they were bored or lonely or just needed some sort of social, social interaction. I, I shouldn't be making fun, but that, that's, that is what it is. It's a thing, uh, yeah. But there was a woman... There was a woman that would call from time to time, and I, her name escapes me at this moment, but I will never forget. I said, you know, 911, which city, township, or borough? And she goes, 911, the god clowns are back. <laughs> and, and I, I'm sorry, what? And I, 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 shockingly, the woman was not being attacked by a litany of clowns. But that, that one will really catch you off guard. I, I actually, I got to do some really cool stuff, uh, like police chases or, or manhunts. It's a, it can be pretty intense. More often than not, it was a pretty uneventful job, particularly working overnight. You just kind of sit and make sure that you have enough coffee to not doze off and, and neglect your duty. But every once in a while, you get something cool. And it was, it was really rewarding when, you know, you, you got to help somebody out or you find out. Very rarely would you get updates on calls. You know, you, you, once you send them, you don't really know what happened to them. But once in a blue moon, uh, you'd get an update, say, hey, so-and-so was in bad shape, but they got to the hospital in time, or so-and-so, they, they tracked down the guy that did this thing. And uh, that was pretty gratifying. You know, obviously not as, not as grandiose and sexy as WWE, but I mean, those, there's some really, really important people you know, every day of the week that just do, do their job to make sure everybody's safe. I was just gonna say that I was listening, to, I was listening to some podcast recently and they were talking about a movie where the, the premise of the movie, it takes place in a 911 dispatch center. And that's kind of like the premise. Was it the of call the, with Halle Berry? I no 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 no. I think it was with Jake Gyllenhaal. I want to say I don't. I I I, I I I think it was maybe guilty. I forget what it was called, but I, I remember them talking about it. And they were saying that that's like the. They were talking about how crazy it is that like people deal with murder calls and you know all these crazy things, death, hard attack, and then they never get an update, and they're just sitting there like, well, I hope it went well, and that seems like. The biggest mind, like just messing with your mind, uh, doing that as a 9 one dispatcher. And the, the, my favorite call, I think, would have had to have been on my last day. 
Uh, I had by this point signed with WWE. I had given my notice. I was working, and somebody had called me. I want. It was in like the middle of the afternoon, and they were trying to call the cops on their neighbor because the dog was barking, or just something really ridiculous or absurd. And I was like, "Okay, ma'am, you know, it might take them a few minutes to get there. They're tied up, you know, with actual issues." And <laughs> the woman says, "Have you all lost your mind? Are you all on drugs?" And I kind of had that. That it, it was the closest thing that I will ever experience to the beginning of Half Baked, where I went, "Yeah, ma'am." We're all on drugs. We're all out of our minds. And my supervisor goes, what are you doing? You can't say that. That's a recorded lie. And I was like, well, what are you going to do, fire me? But, um, you know, I put, other than that, and luckily I think the dog stopped barking, so I don't think I, I left anybody hanging high and dry. And no, we weren't, we weren't under the influence of anything. It was just kind of nice to be like, you know what? I'm tired of dealing with you. I messed with my, I, I messed with my girlfriend similarly yesterday. She called, she was, somehow she was on hold for her mom to get a wheelchair at the airport when she comes back uh tomorrow and somehow she accidentally called me while she was on hold so i answered thinking that she was calling me and i was like hey what's up and she goes uh like hi i'm just on the hold waiting for uh to schedule my mom for a wheelchair and i was like what and she was like i'm just trying to schedule a wheelchair for my mom (laughs) and i realized that she didn't realize it was me so i just went your, your mom can go F herself. And she went, excuse me? And like got all mad that it was a person. Was, and I was like, babe, it's me. And she was like, oh my God, I was so mad just now. So yeah. You, you knew she wasn't talking to you because she was using a different voice because all of our significant others have that voice that they use to talk to other people. And then you have the voice that's reserved for yourself. That's how when I knew she didn't oh, think it was hi, me. I'm- I thought she- I thought she was mad. Right. I, I, I had that. I, that's exactly what I said afterwards. I thought you were mad at me because you had such a weird tone in your voice. I've never heard you talk to me like that before. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we've reached the end here, but usually I close each episode with three questions about the person I'm talking to who's finishing movie. That's not really, that doesn't really apply to you. So I, I changed it up a little bit. I mean, Lucky 13 was a pretty great submission. I'm surprised it, somebody hasn't stolen it yet. I'm a little offended, a, to be honest. It was a great submission, but now that you're more known for commentary, I'm gonna, I, I tried to tweak it a little bit to fit commentary. So Let's first, what's your favorite finishing move to call out on commentary? I mean, it's gotta be Kinshasa, right? That was a Nakamura thing. I, I was a huge Shinsuke Nakamura fan from his days in Japan. And I always loved how the Japanese announcers when something big would happen would just scream it. And I know it's, it's not necessarily the norm over here and it, but uh, I got, got to try it in NXT and it kind of stuck into this day. It's always my favorite. It's dude, it, it, the way you call out that move has made me say the move name that way. Like, that's the only way I can think about it now. I can't think like, oh, it's Kinshasa. Like, it doesn't really work that way. It, ha- it has to have, like, that full scream with it. That's right. That's right. I'm glad that, that if that's my, my legacy in WWE, then I'll take it. <laughs> Is there anything you've ever said on commentary that you wish you could take back for any reason? Oh, my God. Probably every week. Uh, like I said, I never go out there to to do anybody any harm. Uh, I just, there's a lot of times I put my foot in my mouth. I mean, naturally, I, I just sometimes I speak more than I think, and sometimes my tongue moves way faster than my brain does. So I'm sure there are plenty of times. More often than not, what actually bothers me is, if you notice, I try to stay away from statistics or dates or tangible things like that because. I know things happen, but when it comes to chronology or what pay-per-view or what year that was or what this, I can't remember any of that. I've watched so much wrestling. It all kind of, you know, meshes together. Uh, so 
I, it, once in a while, I think I beat myself worse if I go, oh, yeah, in 1999, this happened. And, of course, Twitter corrects me instantly. Like, no, you idiot. It was in 2000. You suck. You should never have a microphone ever again. Um, so that that How actually gets on my nerves. Just WWE be like, and not know what year that pay-per-view took place in. Right. I can't believe this loser didn't know that was the third match of the fifth pay-per-view in the ninth month of <laughs> the second year of this reign. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just uh, I'll go put my head in the sand. I'm sorry. So, so usually if I if I regret saying something, it's just something like that where I'm a little bit ill-informed. I completely understand that. That's why I similarly on this podcast I try not to have that get into that scenario either because I'm the same way. I've watched way too much wrestling in my 35 years of life that I'm just like I'm not going to remember the date of that pay-per-view. Having this conversation, I do remember a specific instance. It was when The Undertaker did his retirement ceremony. Uh, I believe it was last year at this point. Yep. Uh, the official ceremony. And Michael Cole and I were back at the uh, kickoff desk doing the voiceover for whatever was happening in the ring. And they were talking about The Undertaker's history. And I believe it was with Diesel when Kevin Nash came out. And Michael Cole said, oh, so-and-so, it was this WrestleMania, it was WrestleMania so-and-so that this happened. And I corrected Cole because I was so sure that that wasn't the year that it happened. And I went, oh, no, we're live. I said that, and I just realized that I'm wrong. And Twitter, of course, <laughs> let me know instantly that I was wrong. And it was in that particular instance, just because of the admiration and respect I have for Undertaker, that I wanted everything to be perfect. I wanted, to, that's why I almost looked at Cole like, Cole, you idiot, that wasn't the year. And then I realized it's Michael Cole. He's usually not wrong about these things. <laughs> uh, I should have just trusted the boss in that instance. But yeah, that, that one I wish I could take back. But I think they edited it out. So not, not the end of the world. And last, what's the most memorable moment on commentary for you and why? My first WrestleMania, uh, just because I think that was when it first became real to me. When I was doing commentary, it was actually before, uh, this, is, this is how poor my memory is. I believe this was in Orlando, the first WrestleMania that I called, and I was sitting at ringside, and it was when the Jets flew over the stadium because I had watched every WrestleMania my entire life. I had been the kid watching, going, man, someday I'm going to be there and I remember going as a fan thinking like, oh my God, I'm, I'm at least in the building. I need to be in the ring. It needs to be about me. And finally, when I stood there and I'd been there, I think we'd already called the kickoff match. Tom Phillips and I at the time, I think he'd called the, the opening matchup that night. And then the actual official broadcast for WrestleMania began. And the stadium started shaking and the Air Force jets flew over. And that in that moment was when I went, oh my God, I'm about to call WrestleMania. And I got a lump in my throat. I got a little emotional for about 10 seconds until the countdown in my headset hit one. And I went, all right, time to go. We're calling WrestleMania. So there, there wasn't a whole lot of time to enjoy it. But, man, that, that sight, I'll never forget that moment, that feeling of all of these thousands of people and the Air Force jets flying over. And it was just like, wow, I'm here. And, and I hope, you know, I, I never, never lose that feeling. I'm always trying to replicate that one. I get goosebumps hearing people talk about stuff like that. I love moments like that. When, it, when someone accomplishes their dream, it's like my favorite thing. So it's always cool to hear someone talk about when they did it. And, and that's the trick, man. I mean, all of us, from, from myself to the guys who are at the top of the card, uh, th that's something that we all strive to, to recreate and recapture. And it's important for all of us to check in with ourselves to remember what we're doing. My dad's always the one that I go to whenever I get frustrated at work. I mean, we all do, right? It's a job. It's a career. We all have issues. We all have days that don't, don't go our way. And I always call my dad. 
and my dad will say, okay, listen to what you just said to me. The first time it ever happened, I got into an argument with Dusty Rhodes when I was in NXT, when I was working very closely with Dusty, maybe the, the guy on earth I have most respect for. I miss him dearly. And we got into a heated debate about something that we were going to try to work into the NXT show or something with a promo class. I don't even remember what the argument was. But I called my dad, and my dad said, listen to me, or listen, listen to what you just said to me. You are calling me because you are upset that you were in an argument with the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. And I went, yep, yep, duly noted. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> so, so from now on, whenever I get feeling that kind of way, uh, and I need talked off the ledge, I'll just call my, call my dad, and he kind of straightens things out and straightens up my perspective. But everybody needs that once in a while. We're all blessed. We're so lucky. It's high pressure. There's a lot of travel. It, it kicks all of our butts. But we are, we're truly blessed to be in the position we are, all of us. Yeah, and dads are always good at that reality check. They're they're always good at giving you right. a dose of reality, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. They're always they're always right, right there to do right. it. <laughs> All right, well, Corey, thank you line. so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. It was great picking your brain for 45 minutes. I'm a huge fan of yours and the show, even if I'm the only one that's going to admit it on social media. But I'm a big <laughs> I'm a big fan of yours. So really, I appreciate you doing this today. Hey, man, I, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. I, I enjoyed this a lot. Awesome. Have a good one, man. All right, man. Take care, Ryan. All right, that was Corey Graves, Monday Night Raw announcer, host of After the Bell podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. I know that sometimes I talk a lot about the positives and negatives of social media, but I think it's a very important topic for people to talk about. I think it's interesting, and I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did because I was, that was a lot of topics that I was really interested to hear his perspective on. All right, we're done here, but until next time, make sure that you subscribe to Out of Character on whatever podcast platform you listen to, whether that's Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on there. And if you can leave a rating or review, please do that as well. I really enjoy reading those. They make me very happy to see that there is positive feedback on this show. Also, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, WWE on Fox. That's where you can find clips of Raw, SmackDown, and NXT every week, as well as this show. You can watch the video version of this show. If you're only listening to it, you can watch this as well. It premieres every Monday at 9 a.m. on the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. So make sure you're watching that as well. And also follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. That's where you can find us on all the platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. All right, that's it. I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this is Out of Character. Download the all-new Fox Sports app now.